matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. relationships and mental health issues or good issues i'm dr peter sacco the doc is online and with me always is my co-host and producer todd miller how are you todd i'm doing really well today well uh you know what they say the holiday blues are kicking in with the holiday season which is kind of interesting everybody is so excited about the holiday season but yet a lot of information is coming out that is saying that holidays can be the most stressful times and in fact lead to a lot of anxiety and depression and holiday blues. You know, there's a lot of uh, expectations around delivering all the perfect gifts, gifts for your family, you know, spending the right amount, uh, making sure that you're spending as much as uh, other people are spending on you. There's a lot of stress and pressure. And I'm sure a lot of people just want the holidays to be perfect. They want it to be a postcard Christmas. I, you know, it, it looks all fine and dandy, you know, on the TV and as you say, in the postcards. And um, over the next couple of weeks, folks, because I've had a fair number of emails in regards to the whole holiday blues, how am I going to survive these times of being possibly depressed or wanting to choke the heck out of one of my in-laws at the festive table? Or, Pete, one question, do you believe in the Festivus poll? You know, the famous Festivus poll from Seinfeld, Todd, you know, airing of the grievances? I can honestly say I did not see that. Oh, it's one of those wonderful things of beauty where you pull out a steel pole, you bring it out to the festivities, and then you tell everybody that you don't like or you have an issue with what's wrong with them. Okay, great. Perfect family therapy. And with that said, because we're talking about depression, I thought in this segment today... We would talk about something really, I guess, kind of provoking um, when it comes to depression and how bad it can affect us. In fact, it can affect people so bad all walks of life and over the years, being an addictions counselor, therapist, teaching this for almost 20 years and working with, and I will say, some very famous people, some not so famous people, people from all walks of life, nobody is how should we say, immune to feeling depression or letting, letting it affect you in such a bad way. And we've got a guy that's going to be joining us today, and probably many of you know him as Joey Pants. And Joey Pants, real name, Joe Pantoliano, from famous shows like 
The Sopranos, The Matrix, Goonies, Bad Boys 1 and 2, and, of course, one of his favorite roles of all time, I think, Todd, Guido the Killer Pimp in Risky Business. Yeah, been a long time since I've seen that movie, but Joe is also uh, one of my, uh, I guess my guilty pleasure movies would be uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, where uh, Joe had a, had a great role. He kind of stole the scenes that he was in. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really great about this is Joe's got a tremendous foundation, which he's going to talk about, um, NKM2, which is a really amazing and awesome foundation, which deals with not only depression, but the whole stigma around mental health issues. Because you see, Joe will talk about this because Joe himself at one point had addictions to various things and he released a lot of it in his memoir, but some of it. And most of it was related to his depression, especially following the 9-11 disasters of the Twin Towers. Yeah, I'm sure it affected a lot of people in that area, for sure. Um, And and PTSDs uh, probably were at a high during that period as well. And Joe has become, if you want to call him, a great spokesperson for mental health illness. As he would say, a dis-ease, which basically is two words. Yeah, you are not at ease, but rather you're at a dis-ease. So for anybody out there listening, definitely stay tuned and listen to the man, Joey Pants, as he talks about depression, because it does affect all of us at some times in our lives, sometimes more than others. And with the holiday season coming upon us, I think we got the right man to talk about it today. Absolutely. Well, we're going to pay the bills before we uh, get Joe on the phone. You are listening to Matters of the Mind. The doc is online on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Paul Capelcante reminding you to tune into the vinyl experience on Radio That Doesn't Suck.com Sundays at 9 and 3. And 9 and 3. Again, on early Monday morning, you follow 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., 3 a.m. It's a record hop. Well, hello there, and as promised, welcome back to Matters of the Mind, managing your relationships and mental health issues. I'm Dr. Peter Sacco. The the doc is in, and as we promised before break, we've got the great Joe Pantoliano on our show, Joey Pence. Hello there, Joe. How are you? Hello, Dr. Pete. How are you? Uh, I am exceptional, Joe, and as you know, the holiday season is fast approaching, And one of the big things that does come up during the holiday season is a lot of holiday blues and depression. A lot of people are feeling down. And you know what, Joe? One of the the best things that I had gone through and had looked at was your memoir, as well as your documentary, No Kidding, Me Too. Joe, you've dealt with depression in the past, and in my books, you're a great overcomer of it. Can you share um, a little bit about how you how you, the revelation of depression came into your life? Sure, um, I guess it was so. Two thousand six, um, everything started. Uh, the year started out great. Uh, I something had changed ever since nine eleven uh, occurred, and uh, and little pieces. Of, uh, of my past started uh, floating around in my mind and and I I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head even when I wanted to and I had this general feeling of, of sadness that 
I couldn't account for. I couldn't imagine it was depression because everything that was occurring in my life was really good. And uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't connect it to anything. Um, I found that I became uh, more and more isolated and numb. Uh, I had an accident in 2000. And two, and I couldn't jog any longer. I I discovered jogging at 16 years old, and even though I didn't like having to start it, I, I always felt better for it. And and it became a routine when when this feeling overtook me, I would put on my sneakers and and do a three to four mile run, and it. It always worked. By the end of it, I was in a better state of mind. When I was told by my doctors that I couldn't run anymore, I started walking, but it, it didn't produce the same effect. And uh, I started getting down on myself. Uh, I couldn't eat even when I was hungry. I, I, I couldn't sleep, although I was tired all the time. Um, I, my children and my wife, I, I, I didn't want to interact with them. Uh, and when I was working or going to events, um, I, I, I was, I had to be, I had to be on, I had to be entertaining. And, and so when I came home, I would just crash and go up to the bedroom and jump under the covers. Um. I have a history of uh, heart disease in my family, and uh, also a history of mental uh, disease, but I, I didn't know that it was a disease. I just thought it was a cultural, um, I, uh, I didn't think we were crazy, I thought we were Italian-Americans. <laughs> and uh, when I went to my general practitioner uh, to get the blood work to make sure that the, the statins wasn't harming my my liver. Uh, they asked me, you know, how you doing? And I told them that I felt like I was walking through water every day. And the things that used to give me great pleasure, I didn't want to do anymore. I used to love to have people over to the house, and I hadn't done that. Uh, and uh, And I thought it was my fault. And he turned me on to a doctor who was a psychiatrist, and I told him the same symptoms. And he told me that uh, that we could take care of this. It's not your fault, and you're not alone. And that was that. I never heard that before. I thought I was the only person in the world that felt that way, and I didn't think there was a way out. And and I found that I started accumulating dogs. We had two cats and a dog, and by the time I was really, really, really ill, I had had, uh, we had 10 dogs in the house. So I was surrounded by this unconditional love that only would provide me with, with the kind of com- unconditional compassion that I wanted. I didn't want to talk to anybody or tell them how I felt. I just wanted you know, 
the animals to be happy to see me. Uh, and when I began my therapy, I started taking um, any depressions that lift the veil and kind of created a bridge um, from my past to my to my present. And neither I was worried about yesterday or or obsessed with tomorrow. And I um, I also discovered that I was addicted to prescription drugs, and um, I, I I I was told and got into a twelve step program that a lot of the depression was actually situational in relationship to the drugs I was abusing and uh, and the food. Um, you know, I, I discovered working with a nutritionist that, you know, um, eating white flour and, and wheat was also put me in a bad state of mind. But also culturally, um, misery, my personal misery was the only thing I could actually hang my hat on. I, I, it was the only thing that, that made me feel alive. Uh, because... That unfamiliar happiness, I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, I was afraid of it. And when I got into a program, hearing people talking about their issues that felt like my issues, except they were able to verbalize it, I, I surrounded myself with people that had a way of life and a way of dealing with life that I wanted. And little by little, things started to get better. So, Joe, what I found this as a practitioner, as a professional, uh, uh, dealing with many, many people over, oh gosh, the last two decades with depression, that many of them, as you say, you know, you go from antidepressants, you know, what are they, whatever they be, you know, Prozac, lorazepam, diazepam, the whole nine yards, um, MOA inhibitors, Many of them then will say, you know what, the drugs are kind of numbing things a bit or I just kind of feel off. So did you find that, like, as you say, stuff like food, uh, alcohol, shopping, I came across that. These types of things here, they, you know, they, they serve as an alternative drug and you're kind of in your world. Yeah, absolutely. That was that. But I, I, I wound up calling my seven deadly symptoms. I, I discovered that... The alcoholism, drug addiction, the obsessive shopping, uh, um, um, the overwhelming attraction to risk and secrets uh, was all was all symptomatic, taking me out of the present state that I didn't want to be in, uh, and you know, post traumas that I had consciously completely forgot when 9-11 happened, started kicking up and uh, found that in order to numb my pain, I couldn't compartmentalize my pain, so I wound up numbing my, my pleasure and my happiness and the love that I felt for my children and my wife. Uh, I literally started feeling my heart thaw out. I, I, I remember a, a, 
a very telling moment about six months in where I was exercising every day because I couldn't run anymore, but I was walking 35 minutes a day, and I was going to yoga, and I found all these alternative coping mechanisms. And uh, my wife held me, and as she was about to let go, I, I said, don't, because I actually could start feeling her again in, in, in my solar plexus, right in my heart. I could actually feel again. And, you know, it was like I lost my smile and I couldn't find it anywhere. I'd become possessed by some other being. And, uh, you know, I said a lot of people need to be in that state of mind. And, uh, and it's just like anything else, it's practice. I'm learning how to practice and and. I'm changing my life in the way that I eat, uh, that when I want to go shopping or if I'm on the computer, that I find ways not to push the button. Um, and, you know, it's progress. Uh, it's not perfection. These are 60-year patterns that I've been changing. You know what, Joe, in the, over the years I've dealt with, uh, you know, I, I've spoken with actors, some of them are friends of mine as well as musicians, and one of the things they said that they've dealt with either their anxiety uh, that weren't debilitated by it where they could actually still perform, but definitely their depression, and in fact some of them had said, you know what, Pete, I use my freaking bipolar to my advantage when I'm acting or performing. So, did Joe, did you ever find that the roles that you took on, the characters in the movies that you play, this was your way of escaping your everyday reality and taking on a vicarious person? Oh, yeah. In the documentary, uh, in No Kidding Me Too, I, I'm talking to Dr. Bob Irving over at McLean Hospital in Boston, and, uh, and that's when the first time I told him my story, and he said what I was doing is that I created a, a, a craft where I could sublimate all of this these past traumas that I hadn't resolved, and I could put them in through the work that I was doing. I also talked to another actress friend of mine who's quite famous, and she says that whenever she's doing a musical, she's miserable because she has to be happy on stage. But when she's doing a, a, a full-on drama, she's able to get all of that, her past through the character's I guess that's a wonderful form of therapy, but I guess as humans, we have this incredible need to kind of shelter ourselves and protect ourselves. And when anything bad happens, specifically a type of mental illness, we, we have a resistance to share that with those we love and, and, and even our employers, because I guess there's a, a real fear that by acknowledging that we are not well, that we might be passed over for promotions, or even in your case, maybe there's a role that someone's considering you for, and then when you come out and say, hey, I'm struggling right now, um, it's a real fear that, I, I'm, I'm asking you, I guess, is it a fear for you that, that maybe roles might have been given to other actors? No, you know, the truth is, is that my, my well-being my peace of mind is way more important than any part that I would be, you know, playing. And I, I believe that that all of we creative artists 
are broken, that we find the arts as, as a recovery tool unconsciously. Um, I don't know anybody that wound up in Hollywood for all the right reasons. And, uh, you know, it, it, in Asylum, I, I, I came to that conclusion that Hollywood is, is where all the really crazy people wind up. You know, there's a, there's a line that I love, and my man Godfrey, uh, at the top of the show, the, the play where somebody mentions that the mania that's occurring at this, this party is kind of like an institution. And uh, the other character says, well, you know, the only thing you really need for a nuthouse is an empty room and the right kind of people. <laughs> and I think... I think that universally we are all dealing with some form of an emotional diseasiness. Uh, I think when in 2008, uh, when all the banks failed and then they omnipotently told us that they were too big to, and they were able to get a do-over, I think that over a sick desire to have more is mental, that's a mental disease. Uh, I think the fact that 36% of our, of, of, I, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but I know that in America, 36% Americans are obese, and it, that's going to go up to 50% in 2020. That's a mental uh, mood, emotional this easiness. They're using the food to remedy their emotional upset. And, you know, here in America, we are the most overfed, overdrugged. We're manipulated by, by uh, advertising that tell us that milk makes a body good, when that's just not true. Um, and more and more oncologists are getting out of the of cutting the cancer out of the body and into preventative medicine, which is whatever we put in our body, we're finding out we're either causing disease or we're preventing it. You know, that a lot of these uh, cancers come from the emotions that we're trapping inside, that we're not, we're not free to, to let out of our system. Or the fact that uh, the fact that our body works overtime because we're carrying thirty to forty pounds uh, more weight. Um, that's what real recovery is. Is 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 what's happening in Europe with Mediterranean diets. And I know that personally, my symptoms from my thinking began at a very early age. And they started, it started with food as, as a sedative when I was upset. You know, my, my parents would say, stop crying, let me make you a sandwich, turn on the TV. And from there it went to, if I could dress well, people would like me. If I couldn't afford to dress well, I found that I got a lot of, dopamine production from stealing. And, you know, so 
also when Mayor Giuliani's daughter gets caught for stealing or, or Winona Ryder, it's, it, it, you got to look deeper than some wealthy movie star is stealing because she doesn't have the money. No, she's doing it because it provides some action that that moment takes you out of everything. And, and it's, a, it's also, it's like being hypnotized. I'll walk, you know, I'll be in my car and then I, next thing I know, I find I'm in Barney's or Ralph Lauren. Uh, find something that I, find two of I, what I don't need. <laughs> you know what, Joe, I you have know, that problem with Robert Graham shirts. <laughs> yeah, he lives, in, he lives in Wilton where I am. You know, at least his shirts are so wonderful that they don't break down. You know what, Joe, one of the great lines that I've seen you have especially in no kidding me too we are mad as hell and we're not going to take this anymore so when you when you make that comment joe is it that we're not going to take the fact that we're going to be treated as second class citizens because we have a mental illness and we're also mad as hell that we're going to overcome this is that your true intention with that statement no uh, it's more that I believe there are two types of people in the world. There are those of us that know we're crazy, and then there are the others that haven't discovered it yet. I think that that you got to know there's a problem before you can fix it. Uh, and more importantly, you have to have an overwhelming desire to want to fix it. The work that I have to do on a daily basis to try to maintain this serenity I'm talking about uh, is much, 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 much harder than, the, you know, buy a fifth of scotch uh, or, or run up the credit card. When, I don't know if you guys know this, but in 2011, the United States military invited, no kidding me, to do a raft where we showed the documentary and on eight different bases, where the command made it uh, mandatory that they had to come see the movie and discuss with me uh, the, the parallels and similarities to my story and what might be their story. Um, there, when I made the documentary, uh, Finding said that 16 or 18 American GIs committing suicide every day. And that number has gone up to about 27. Since this war began 13 years ago, there have been 4,700 deaths due to battle uh, or accident. But there have been something like 73,000 suicides. And I think suicide has become the new orange, you know, where orange is the new black. More and more kids who are at the ages of 18 and 21 and in, in the military status that it's Anglo-American males between those ages, first tour of duty, first deployment within the first six months of deployment. And the, and the young men that I interviewed, 
that had failed completion all that hot moment, that moment when they wanted to go to the permanent solution for that temporary problem. None of it had to do with what was happening in country. It was all related to arguments with their spouse or the fact that their house payments had fallen behind, um, that their coping mechanisms that they might have had uh, while in the States, uh, they couldn't have there because of the different religious um, uh, restraints. So they couldn't go out and buy a six-pack of beer or smoke a joint or, you know, all the things that they were treating their undiagnosed disease with. You know, I, I don't think that our country is mentally ill. I think this is the cultural phenomenon that that we are faced with events that alter our emotional life. And because we haven't been given the tools how to deal with it, we turn to other ways. Um, We don't know that sugar is a drug. We only recently discovered that McDonald's French fries taste so good because they're loaded with sugar. They put sugar in everything because it's addictive and you need more of it. So um, it's not anyone's fault that they can't stop eating or stop drinking or stop lying. You know, all of these things takes me away from my present misery and uh, gives me relief until, you know, moments later. It just takes me out of my moment. And uh, the documentaries that I've watched that have really changed my life, like uh, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and Tom Shadyac's I Am, uh, or the Joseph Campbell documentary, Fighting Being Joe, or No Kidding Me Too. When I made No Kidding Me Too, I, I, my sole purpose was to find out why there is so much stigma around a, a diagnosis of mental disease. Uh, why is it that it's the only diagnosis you can get yelled at for having? Why are people so frightened uh, by that, by, by bipolar, when they're not frightened uh, of, of a brain tumor? You know, and I think that the only way we're going to really change the culture uh, and end the bigotry, shame, and discrimination that shrouds all types of mood uneasiness, because it is, it's temporary. Mental illness sounds like it's permanent. It's like forever, you know. Not mental, uh, brain disease or what we, what we, you know, we like to call BD, is something that is momentary. And, and I've learned not to avoid it. I've learned that my fear really is my friend. It warns me that there is something going on. And I've now learned how to pause, investigate, be still, and then 
find out what the right action is. And if that means not going in the fridge with a pint of ice cream, instead putting on a pair of sneakers and walking around the block, you know, it's hard not to be depressed when you're 40 pounds overweight. And you see these people and they're saying, it's the drugs that are making me this and the, you know, but the whole, it's a, it's a whole deal, the whole picture. You know, like they say, you have to be a picture of health. Yeah, and I guess it's it's wonderful that you can replace some of those unhealthy habits with, you know, healthy eating and exercise. Um, and I guess you've been, become somewhat of, I wouldn't call you maybe an expert on, on this, but you've seen so many people and you've been through the process yourself. Do you recognize the symptoms in others now when you meet people and you, you get a sense that just something's just not right with them? And, and if so, how do you handle that situation when you've met someone that maybe is suffering like you were? Well, you know, I just talk about what it was like for me. And, you know, and I learned this from the 12-step program because in, 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 in doing these steps and, and adjusting my life as a result of the steps that I, that I practice and uh, form the, the spiritual awakening that has occurred, I no longer feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders that I have, I have this power that's greater than me that I can, I can pray to and ask for guidance and understand that I am powerless, that I've always been powerless, that my desires uh, alone didn't get me the success that I, that I crave, that, you know, that I, I had to put a lot of sweat and concentration into what I wanted, you know, and, and, and what I wanted was to be able to have fun at a job that I love doing. And, um, and what, you know, that's what blew my mind is here I am, I'm doing everything I ever wanted. My dreams have come through. Why do I feel like I want to die? And, and then just talking about this stuff, people will hear us talk and and if they're going, gee, those sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. The goal of no kidding me too is simply to investigate oneself, uh, to let people know that if, if that my personal disease sounds familiar that they should talk about it with another person. Um, share their, their emotional secrets, uh, seek treatment, and, uh, and in seeking treatment, becoming a more empowered uh, individual. In, in, the work, in the white-collar workforce, there's over 80 to $90 billion in lost productivity in the workplace. Uh, the co-occurring nature of mental, mental disease and addiction is in the 90 percentile. It's a no-brainer. And, you know, and why, why isn't our kindergartners learning about 
emotional hygiene. We teach our kids how to wash their hands and check for hair life. Why is it culturally okay for a kid to have hair life and not to have um, uh, depression or anxiety? Why is it they don't even know what anxiety is? Why aren't we teaching our kids how to meditate uh, and, and to be emotionally intimate with one another? Kids will talk about simple adolescents will talk about periods, uh, but when somebody asks another kid how they're doing, it's always the same answer. Great. I'm doing great. You know what, Joe? Absolutely. You're... I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like, you know, mental illness, um, especially concurrent disorders, they basically are the silent illness of sorts. We only have a few minutes left, but before I let you go, I definitely want you to impart some words of wisdom to our listeners. But one thing, Joe, that years ago when I was in private practice, then eventually I got out to do all my other stuff. I, you know, something very profound. I used to have friends ask me, Pete, what is the best way to really get rid of your anxiety? And I'll never forget, Joe, as you as Captain Howard, remember the woosah? Woosah. <laughs> do you ever do that? Anybody come up to you and say, you know, Joe, do you do woosah to overcome your anxiety? Oh, my gosh. You know, when I was in, when I was in Iraq and Iran, they, that's all those kids kept saying to me, woosah, woosah. They said, whenever we're in a pinch, uh, scared to death, uh, we, we just grab our earlobe and, and say woosah, woosah. Um, you know, the words of, of, of practicing recovery uh, is that the, the wall of fear is only tissue paper stick that, it, that, that we all are fearful. We all go through life fearful. The idea is that you have to move toward your fear. Never move away from it, right? Because every time you're moving away from your fear, you're retreating from something you really want, something you really love. You know what, Joe? I, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And definitely for anybody listening, tuning in, definitely check out Joe's foundation, his website. No kidding. Me too. And I think, Joe, uh, definitely got some great stuff coming in the new year. I believe, what, spring break and the identical? Yeah, the identical is coming out in the spring. And that's... Uh, that, that one's uh, uh, I'm really excited about because it's based on the idea, what if Elvis Presley's brother, his identical twin brother, which he actually had a twin brother who was stillborn, what, what if a celebrity of his magnitude, instead of having a twin brother died, that they were only separated at birth, what would it be like for that, the one that didn't become Elvis? Uh, it's really beautiful story. It's got a lot of hope and love in it, and, uh, and Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd and and two really amazing young actors, um, along with uh, Seth Green, is in it. Uh, this just amazing opportunity for me to be in that movie. Um, and and you know, tell your listeners that they can go. Amazon online and and download the documentary. Um, they can they can get Asylum on Amazon for like two dollars and fifty cents the first copy, cheaper than I could ever get them. Um, and and tell your friends if you feel if you feel like any of this 
conversation. Sounds familiar. Uh, it's time. It's time to take the mask down and 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 start getting better. Absolutely, Joe. We're all in this together. You know what? You're a friend. You're a great actor. Mm-hmm. You're a great inspiration to us all. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us, and you are definitely welcome to come back anytime you want, my friend. Thanks, Pete. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, uh, the APA, American Psychiatric Association, is showing, no kidding me, too, at their event in May uh, in New York City, and then uh, APA's next event, Dr. Paul Summergrad, who's going to be the next president, uh, the new president, he, he is in my documentary, No Kidding Me Too. He's uh, uh, asked me to come to Toronto and show the movie there. So let's make sure that we stay connected so when I come out, I can uh, I can see meet up with you guys and we can have another discussion on this. Definitely, Joe. And we can wear our Robert Graham shirts, I guess, compare notes, compare patterns. Yeah, what size? What size? I got a great, I got a great New York Yankee Graham shirt that I that I love. But uh, I'm a medium large. Maybe we can just like trade them. <laughs> we could do some good trading, Joe. I would really like to get into some of those Swarovski laser ink ones. You know, the laser jet prints; those are sweet. Oh, I got to look that up right now. But I, I got to throw my credit card underneath the bed so I can't find it. I think we're going to need an expense account for this show, uh, Doctor Sacco. Thanks so much, Joe. All right. We look forward to meeting you uh, next spring, Joe. If you'd like to catch up with Joe, find out more information about the documentary or links where you can catch up with Joe on social media, go to talk-radio.ca, check out our blog post, and we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. Here's what The Mots is not. It's not one of those cute couple shows. Hi, we are The Mots, Paul and Carol, inviting you to join us weekdays at 2 on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca with encore performances on Mots Weekend. We kick around the topics of the day. We chat with the newsmakers and people we find interesting. Some days, the sparks fly. You can check us out at themots.ca. So, uh, you don't find me cute? Ah, you have your moments. You're listening to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco, on radio that doesn't suck.com and rtds.ca.
Well, hello there, and welcome back to Matters of the Mind, managing your relationships and mental health concerns and issues, and probably good things that we want to bring out with you in Mental Health Matters. Anyways, um, so Todd, I think uh, new perspective or uh, enlightened perspective when it actually comes to how depression runs rampant, I think, in all walks of life, including Hollywood. I think I've gained a new perspective um, because I get the opportunity to speak to someone that's come out the other side so infrequently. Um, personally, I mean, I know there are lots of people that do. They they have their clinical depression and then they get on meds and start doing therapy and change their lives and uh, pretty much you know restart the clock. But to actually hear it from someone, especially someone that has such incredible visibility um, to the public really makes it interesting to find. And as he said, he says he didn't really care about the next movie or the next role. He was really uh, worried about his um, his wellness. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when it gets to, you know, a certain level and I like, you know, kind of what Joe's motto is to to degree, especially with uh, and and KM2, which is make brain dis ease which he refers to as BD brain disease, cool and sexy. Meaning everybody has, I guess you can kind of put it their own burdens to carry. Some manifest them in physical ways, as Joe said, you know, you can see the problems, you can see it. And then others are the ones that are walking around. And as you said, you, you know, you alluded to it, Todd, that it's a silent illness in a lot of these situations. Like, you know, Joe um, talking about depression, also concurrent disorders, which is, you know, alcoholism and other sorts of addictions tied in. And you're right, when somebody of this magnitude comes out and talks about it, I think people listen. And I think um, we have to stop uh, looking at illness just because you can't see it. It mustn't be real because it must be made up in the mind because it's in the mind. And I think that's a fallacy. And I think, we, you know, we have to change our perspective on it. It's, you know, it's, I've heard the expression um, of brain researchers um, using their imperfect um, tools to examine an imperfect tool, or I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, a, it, your brain is not perfect, and we don't know everything about it, and yet we're trying to analyze others' brains with this thing that we know very little about. We're learning more and more all the time. But it's an incredibly complex organ, and so much can go wrong, and a lot does. Um, and as, as Joe alluded to, um, there's a lot of things that we just can't control. We just can't control various elements of it and the behaviors that manifest um, themselves during those times when we can't control it. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, he he brought up a point, and I think um, anybody with a mental illness, especially depression, um, can, you know, probably attest to this. And it's a, uh, you know, we brought this up right at the start of the show today. With the holiday seasons, a lot of people are not going to be cheery. In fact, they're going to be anxious. They're going to be stressed out. And a lot of the people are going to be depressed, and they're not going to understand why. And some people, and I hate to say this, um, will drink they will drug or they might even do worse things to try to get through the holiday season and just know that there is help out there. There are, you know, there's 1-800 hotlines, um, so many sites on the internet that you can um, call, even your hospital if you need to. Um, depression is a serious concern. Just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. And in fact, on next week's show, uh, we got another 
awesome guest uh, who is going to talk about actually surviving the holiday season and not doing crazy, bizarre things that, you know, will make, you know, make you feel bad or regret things. <laughs> make the holiday better for everyone. And a resource I'm quite familiar with um, is for kids, for kids' help phone. If kids just need someone to talk to, uh, kids' help phone is there. And it's a wonderful resource for teens, preteens, uh, tweens to just talk to someone that you don't know and isn't going to judge you and just let you get your feelings out and help you start down that path of wellness if you find that you're just not feeling so well. Yeah, and you know the best thing I always say, and I've always used to tell this to patients and clients in the past, and I tell it to them today when I'm doing the speaking circuit as well as friends, you might feel depressed and you might have depression, but depression doesn't have to control, run, or ruin your life. Absolutely. Well, you can connect with us, obviously, at talk-radio.ca. Our, our blog is there, our Listen Live link, our show hosts are all there for hey, your uh, uh, perusement. And uh, we will see you right back here next Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Talk-Radio, where you'll hear another episode of Matters of the Mind. The doc is online. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at at listenuptalk. We'll catch you next week. You don't need no pills. That man is not your man. And that's why I'm